Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself, depending on the subject matter and your needs. I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more on this edition of the show, The Talking Mongoose and Amazing Animals. I was recently having dinner with my wife, Lauren, at a restaurant, and we had some sort of Indian inspired dish. And for some reason, the subject of a mongoose came up and I said, Hey, you remember that story about the uh, talking mongoose? That would make a good movie, huh? And Lauren said, what? I said, you know, the, the case of the, the talking mongoose. And she's like, no, I, I've never heard of that. And I realized that this is something that I had not thought about myself for many, many years. Of course, when I was a kid, I was infatuated with books about the paranormal and the unknown and a lot of stories that were considered to some degree nonfiction stories. And one that sticks out in my mind uh, that influenced I don't know, something in me <laughs> when I was a kid was uh, reading a book that had this bizarre retelling of the talking mongoose that was owned by a family on the Isle of Man. That's a British Isle. And sort of like the, the controversy that arose and it, it just started getting a lot of tabloid coverage and you had investigators going there and it was just, just a really bizarre story. And there were, there were supposedly pictures of this mongoose. But anyway, I said, you know, I need to go back as an adult now and refresh myself on this. And of course, immediately I thought, well, gosh, uh, if, if I haven't thought about this in years and Lauren's never even heard of it, well, I bet the listeners of strange things would like to know a little bit about this story. So let me just give you the basics here about this creature named Jeff. G-E-F. And he was referred to as the talking mongoose, who they said inhabited a farmhouse on the Isle of Man owned by the Irving family. 
This story was given extensive coverage by the tabloid press in Britain in the early 1930s, and the Irving's claims gained the attention of a lot of parapsychologists and ghost hunters, because as you'll see, there's a paranormal element to this, uh, including the famed Harry Price. If you've never looked into Harry Price, he's an in interesting guy. He was sort of the model ghost hunter back in the day. So, uh, okay, here's the story. Here, here's how all this supposedly broke down. In September of 1931, the Irving family, consisting of James, Margaret, and a 13-year-old daughter named Vori, claimed that they heard persistent scratching, rustling, and vocal noises behind their farmhouse's wooden wall panels. And uh, they thought that the sound somehow resembled a ferret, a dog, or a baby. That's what they said. I know it's kind of weird. So anyway, according to the Irvings, they started telling people here that a creature named Jeff had appeared one day, introduced itself, and told them it was a mongoose. Now, I'm talking about this thing is speaking perfect English to them. And Jeff said, I am a mongoose. I was born in New Delhi, India in 1852. And according to Vori, the 13-year-old daughter, Jeff was the size of a small rat with yellowish fur and a large bushy tail. Now, you might be asking yourself, folks, okay, fine, let's go with this. Let's suspend disbelief. We have ourselves a mongoose that appears at the farmhouse one day, and he's speaking the king's English. Well, what the heck does he have to say? What does this thing have to say? Well, here we go. The Irvings say that Jeff communicated to them that he was, quote, an extra, extra clever mongoose. End quote. Sounds like he has a bit of an ego, doesn't it? Uh, and then he went on to say he was, quote, an earthbound spirit and a, quote, ghost in the form of a mongoose. And once even said, quote, I am a freak. I have no hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into stone or a pillar of salt, end quote. The Irvings made various claims about Jeff, that he supposedly guarded their house and informed them of the approach of guests or any unfamiliar dog. They said that if someone had forgotten to put out the fire at night, well, he would go down and stop the stove. And the Irvings claimed Jeff would also wake people up when they overslept or whenever mice got into the house. Uh, he kind of assumed the role of a cat although he preferred to scare them rather than kill them. The Irvings say they gave Jeff biscuits, chocolates, and bananas, and food was left for him in a saucer suspended from the ceiling, which he took when he thought no one was watching. The Irvings claim the mongoose regularly accompanied them on trips to the market, but always stayed on the other side of the hedges. Chatting incessantly, he was a talkative little thing. So somehow, you know, story got out, uh, word got around, <laughs> and again, it became popular in the tabloid press, and so many journalists flocked to the aisle to try to catch a glimpse of the creature. 
Several other people, both locals and visitors, claim to have heard Jeff's voice and two claim to have seen it. However, physical evidence was lacking. Uh, footprints, stains on the wall, and hair samples claimed to be evidence of Jeff were identified as belonging to the Irving's sheepdog, as were several photos which were claimed by the Irvings to depict Jeff. So Margaret and Vory Irving left the home in 1945 after James Irving died. They reportedly had to sell the farm at a loss because it had the reputation of being haunted. It was purchased by an actor named Leslie Graham. And in 1946, this actor who bought their farm claimed to the press that he had shot and killed Jeff. I'm sure that made him the most popular guy on the Isle of Man, huh? And then displayed a body. But it says the body displayed by Graham was, however, black and white and much larger than the famous mongoose. And Vory Irving was certain that it was not Jeff. She died in 2005, and in an interview published later in life, she maintained that Jeff was not her creation. Well, as you can imagine, a lot of people believe this was all just a hoax. Kind of reminds you of, I guess it was the Coddington Ferry sort of thing. Uh, some psychic investigators thought that Jeff was a poltergeist or a ghost. A lot of the debunkers and more skeptical people said that the Irving family had colluded to perpetuate a hoax that was originated by the daughter Vore. There was a reporter there on the Isle of Man who wrote that he caught the girl making noises. Her father tried to convince him the sound came from somewhere else. And we have researchers like Joe Nickel there saying that he suspects Vore was using ventriloquism and other tricks uh, to take advantage of, you know, people who were willing to believe um there's one media scholar they say who wrote this extra clever mongoose was an imaginary companion created by the irving's extra extra clever daughter okay so what do you think of that um in fact you know i mentioned i guess it was the the cottingly fairies uh, we won't get into that right now, but you know, this was a, a series of photographs that were taken in England by some, some young girls and, um, they were fake. They were fake fairies. You can tell that when you look at them now, but it caused the same kind of stir. Well, what do I think about the possibility that we had a real talking mongoose here as a paranormal phenomenon? Well, when we come back from this break, I'll tell you what I think about that. And then I'll tell you what this whole thing made me think about when I started opening my mind again to the amazing powers of animals. This may even end up being kind of a two-part show because there's a lot, a lot of fascinating stuff to dig into when we come back. I'm going to take you down a path of thinking about 
some of the extraordinary things, almost supernatural things that animals can do. I want to remind you that if you want to take advantage of some of the really cool, fun stuff, experiments I have coming up and free things that I'm going to be giving away soon, you must be a subscriber to my free e-newsletter. takes you two seconds. Go to joshuapwarren.com. There's no period after the P. When you go to joshuapwarren.com, put your email address in there. It's free. It's spam-free. You'll see the little box right there on the homepage. And when you click that button, you will get an email from me, and instantly you'll get a good luck charm and some other really cool stuff that's going to make your day, I promise you. I am Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back. Don't go anywhere. There's more Strange Things coming right up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash strange things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash strange things. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. 
Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Younger looks in minutes? It's real with Instantly Ageless from HealthyLooking.com. This velvety micro cream applied to areas on the face immediately diminishes visible signs of aging. Great for bags under the eyes, forehead wrinkles, saggy eyebrows, crow's feet, and facial pores. Now look your beautiful best in less than two minutes with Instantly Ageless. And it works great for women and men. Here's what happened when they tried Instantly Ageless on the doctors. But I want you all to imagine a cream that can instantly remove your under eye bags. We're going to put it to the test with our good friend, Dr. Sonia Batra. So what, what is this product? So this is a product we're going to see if it works. It's called Instantly Ageless. And the idea is that it works very quickly. Is you just need a very small amount. And then you apply it to areas where you might be a little bit puffy. I have just looked at what's in this product and I've looked at the ingredients. And one of them is something called Argyroline, which is sort of a darling in dermatology right now. It's a peptide or a protein that actually relaxes is the muscle. It's also called Botox in a bottle. It's meant to relax muscle and work like Botox. I mean, you can literally see it working but, as you're yeah. putting it on. The other active ingredient in this is silicates, which are almost act like a clay. They're minerals, and they're making the skin sort of tighter. It's actually increasing the surface tension on the skin to push that herniated fat pad back. Order yours today at HealthyLooking.com or by phone at 800-604-3129. 800-604-3129. Our starter kit is only $19.99, including shipping. And the full-size box has now been discounted substantially as well. Put your best face forward instantly with Instantly Ageless from HealthyLooking.com. That's HealthyLooking.com. And now back to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network and Strange Things. To strange things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. Now, do I think that Jeff the Talking Mongoose was a real phenomenon? Well, Let me break it down for you like this. For one thing, I think it is highly unlikely that the 13-year-old girl could have successfully pulled off what sounds like some pretty complicated ventriloquism uh, for all these people and reporters over such a period of time. Is it impossible? No, but... You know, I have a lot of friends who are professional magicians, 
And one of them is the great Adam Cardone. And this guy, he has spent years learning how to throw his voice. And I'm telling you, 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 you cannot understand how amazing that is through watching a video or something. You have to be there in person with somebody who can do that. And, uh, and what I mean is like, he can make it sound like his voice and it's not his voice. He can make it sound like some, some other little voice, you know, is coming from another location. And this is a guy who's trained again, basically his whole life. He's a professional. This is all he does. He travels the world doing magic and you can't just say, you know, pick a spot and say, throw your voice there. I mean, he, he looks for very particular parameters in the environment to see like what kind of physical surfaces would most accurately capture that. So like, for example, if there's a coffee mug or, or a bowl or something like that, that's really cool. He can kind of work with that. It helps a lot, but, um, it's a, it's a very difficult skill. And so. If there were enough people saying that they, you know, they heard this mongoose talking, I don't think simply saying that this 13 year old girl had the skills to produce that. Um, now that said, moving on to the next possibility, was this a mongoose that could talk? Well, look, I've never seen a mongoose that can talk. I bet you haven't either. And therefore, I, I just can't say that there's any evidence that a mongoose could show up and start speaking the king's English. So that seems like we can kind of rule that one out as well. But what did the mongoose say? The mongoose said, I'm a spirit. I'm a ghost. And so why don't we just take the mongoose at its word? That makes sense to me. I do believe that spirits can manifest. And when they do that, they can manifest in all kinds of different forms. And so that's why... Look, I do keep my mind open to the possibility that this was some kind of a real phenomenon, but it was certainly a paranormal one. I don't think you're going to find, you know, a mongoose that can, that can do that. But that got me thinking about all of the animals out there that are, are just regular, ordinary biological animals that still can do amazing things that border almost on paranormal. And it's important for us to, to think about that and remind ourselves of that because we get so egocentric and so caught up in being a human that we forget that if you take all these animals and you, and you take humans and, you know, if you grind us up and you put us under a microscope, we all look the same. We're made out of the same chemicals and minerals and things. We're just arranged differently. And so sometimes when you look at amazing things that animals can do, it helps to remind you about the amazing things that people might be capable of doing if they train or they meditate over time or they reach a certain spiritual level of enlightenment or they just happen to be born with a great talent. And I'm talking about, you know, a lot of stuff we would consider psychic, telepathic, telekinetic, etc., and so I was looking through one of my books called Pet Ghosts, Animal Encounters from Beyond the Grave. And I really enjoy looking over this one section. I want to give you some examples about wonders of the animal kingdom. Now, these are things that are, you know, these are zoological facts. 
that I'm going to give to you right here. Biological, scientifically proven facts about different types of animals and the things they can do. And if you consider that animals can do this that are made more or less just like you and I are, it's pretty amazing. So let's just go down the list. Okay, penguins. Penguins are able to see ultraviolet light invisible to human eyes. Bats can see into the UV range as well. Uh, ordinarily, a mammal's lens absorbs that frequency range, protecting the retinal cells, but nocturnal creatures never develop that protection because it's not a component of nighttime survival. Many insects have an outstanding ability to see into the UV, especially bees. It helps them identify plants and all kinds of, you know, interesting patterns. Yet oddly, bees cannot see the color red, which is easily visible to us because that's too low of a frequency for them. Now think about that. A bee can see things that you can't see, but it can't see red. So you you look at your life and you think, well, how much can I not see out there? Think of people who are colorblind, then they never get to see red either. On the other hand, some animals can detect the infrared range, which is also invisible to humans. Now, sources of heat produce infrared and humans literally glow with that energy. So perhaps the animals most sensitive to this are uh, the, the, these are snakes, you know, snakes in the pit viper family, like rattlesnakes. And their name comes from two pits or little shallow holes just behind the nostrils on either side of their head that can detect thermal radiation, particularly from warm-blooded prey. And these two pits kind of provide depth perception, just like two eyes. So this allows a serpent to perceive its prey as a textured three-dimensional form. Think about that. And considering the usefulness of two eyes, or eye-like, organs imagine instead of you having two eyes allowing you to see something in 3d what if you had eight eyes because most spiders have four pairs of eyes and this allows them to see a span of 360 degrees all at once it's virtually impossible for us to imagine being able to see completely around ourselves i mean truly it's mind-boggling try to think about that and regardless of an organism's ability to see a variety of wavelengths of light and all that kind of stuff, you know, humans appear very different to insects because of the way that different creatures process what they see. So, for example, humans appear to move in slow motion to insects like roaches or flies. And this is because their brains are able to perceive and make sense of their surroundings much, much faster than ours. So it's kind of similar to a strobing phenomenon. You know, if you know anything about filmmaking, you know, human action looks normal at about 24 frames per second. That's what we shoot in movies. But if you shoot humans at a lower rate, like 18 frames per second, they appear to move in fast motion, like some of the old black and white comedies. But if you shoot at, at 36 frames per second, the people move in slow motion, 
like some of some of the people you see uh these ex- extreme high speed cameras uh on these on these cameras that are high speed used to slow down fast stuff so these insects have brains that are kind of like these high speed cameras and we look slow and lumbering to them so that's why it's so darn hard to swat a fly they see you like a big slow giant and there are tons of creatures that can hear a broader range than humans i mean we can perceive around 20 to 20,000 hertz but then you have dogs that can hear much higher, up to 40,000 hertz. Cats can hear up to 60,000 hertz. And small animals like rodents can hear up to 100,000 hertz. Really high-pitched sounds. It seems that generally the smaller your head, the higher you can hear because the size of your cranium kind of determines that resonant cavity. So a big elephant here is very, very low and can perceive 15 hertz or less. And because low waves travel farther than high ones, elephants use them to communicate over vast distances in the wild. Did you know what's even stranger, though, is that some creatures, like a pigeon, can hear really, really, really low, lower than one hertz. Figure that one out. But aside by how they can see and hear, you have animals that have a whole spectrum of other abilities like pigs are often criticized for being these unruly uncouth eaters of slop but in fact they actually have finer taste than humans do swine and goats have around 15,000 taste buds humans only have about 9,000 so think about that swine and goats have more taste buds than humans Rabbits have 17,000, even better. And they eat things that are rotting and disgusting. And they love it. So there are wonderful tastes <laughs> inside there. When we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you about more of the creatures that I find amazing, including the one that I think is possibly the most amazing of all. And I'm setting you up here for a great presentation on paranormal animals. Boy, we could go on and on with that one. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be right back after these messages. Stay right there. There's more Joshua P. Warren coming right up. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. 
Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Men and women can have an excess of 100,000 hairs. Unfortunately, before hair loss is noticed, that number drops nearly in half. But it is by no means too late. Easy to apply Reveal from Dr. Nathan Newman uses stem cell technology and natural ingredients to revitalize the appearance of your hair for the fuller look you remember. Here's Dr. Newman. A lot of people with hair problems have come up to me showing me pictures after two months of use, after three months of use of the Reveal serum on their scalp, showing me dramatic improvement in the quality of their hair, volume of their hair, and one of the people was a woman who had lost her hair and was really thinned out. She was wearing wigs and covering it up. She was very self-conscious about it. She used it for about six months and she came to me with a big smile, nothing covering her hair. And she goes, look, you gave me my life back. And that's really why I do what I do is because I want to change people's lives for the better. And these stories give me the inspiration to go forward and develop new things. Hair loss, hereditary or not, increases with age. In fact, by age 50, roughly half of us have noticeable hair loss. It's time to get on board with Reveal for women and men. And only at HealthyLooking.com can you get Reveal with free smart delivery shipping by simply entering discount code GEORGE at checkout. Easy to use Reveal at HealthyLooking.com or order by phone at 800 800- 604-3129. at 800-604-3129. Gently revitalize your hair's appearance for a fuller look with Reveal from HealthyLooking.com. 
Hi, this is George Norrie, and you're listening to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now let's get back to Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. Radio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. There is mixed data regarding how birds migrate so accurately over long distances, year over year. You know, many creatures, such as humans, have tiny traces of magnetite in their heads, and these bits could act as compass needles adjusting to the Earth's field. And if the brain gains useful information from their position, this might assist in orienting an animal properly. Uh, Interestingly, though, there was this one scientist uh, from Cornell named William Keaton, and he attached some bar magnets to the heads and backs of pigeons, certainly enough to distort any possible awareness of the Earth's subtle magnetic field. However, these humming pigeons were still able to home. Nobody can explain that. Uh, Even more amazing is how some animals may respond not only to the Earth's terrain, but to bodies in space as well. A marine biologist named Frank Brown began experimenting with oysters in 1954 at his lab. It was well known that oysters would open and close with the tide, spreading to ingest food at high tide and then sealing up at low tide. And when Brown took groups of the creatures from Connecticut's shore to his lab in Illinois there, a thousand miles away, the creatures retained their cycle of opening and closing all in unison. But after two weeks, their timing changed. The oysters began opening and closing at the time the tide would have reached Evanston had it been on the coast. So perplexed by this, Brown surmised they might just be adjusting by receiving cues from the variance in sunlight. So he locked them in a completely dark controlled chamber, and this made no impact. They still responded like clockwork. It seemed that these oysters were actually sensitive to the lunar forces responsible for altering the tides. I'm talking about sensitive to the moon over 250,000 miles away in space. And... It's, you know, it's said that there is a thing called a tilt meter out there, which is sensitive enough to detect the moon's gravitational influence in a cup of tea that was developed many years ago by Hughes Aircraft. Um, (laughs) But you know what? Here's my favorite. Though we sort of marvel at how receptive all these different creatures are to energy fields, I've always been captivated by electric eels. They're actually snake-like fish 
and they can grow up to be nine feet long. Uh, and it says that they can produce uh, frequently, regularly, up to six, 650 volts to stun or kill prey. Now, keep in mind, the standard electrical socket in the U.S. is 110 volts. The heads are negatively charged, and the tails are positively charged, forming a long battery. And before I tell you more about the electric ill, this makes me wonder if some people who possess telekinetic ability, that is the psychic skill to affect matter without physically touching it, are are able to perhaps generate electromagnetic or electrostatic fields in a similar way. There was a very interesting TED-Ed video that I recently watched on YouTube that sort of broke down more about how the electric eels produce the fields and the signals that they do. And uh, it's surprisingly underwater where lighting is low, there are a lot of fish that produce low electrical signals as a way to communicate, uh, navigate, find and kill other creatures. Nearly 350 species of fish have anatomical structures that generate and detect electrical signals in the water up to 15 or 20 feet away. I'm sure you've heard about how sensitive sharks are to electromagnetism. But anyway, these these fish are broken into two categories. The first are called the weakly electric. And these fish, they have structures near their tails that produce almost as much voltage as a AA battery. That's around a volt because a AA battery is one and a half volts. So, you know... Just think of a double-A battery. So their nervous system sends pulses to these stacks of electrical cells at a specific perfect rate to basically make the cells switch on and off, releasing chemicals with precise timing to act like a bunch of batteries with changing polarity, switching from positive to negative. And scientists are still not sure exactly how that works. Now, when they send out this electrical field into the water, they're able to sense what comes back from it through electroreceptors, cells that can detect electricity. So it's similar to how a bat sends out a wave of sonar and listens to what bounces back. Okay. In that same way, these fish are sending out electrical impulses and, uh, and then they're sensing what comes back from the environment and they can even determine if a creature below the mud is alive or dead. Now, the second group is called the strongly electric fish, and there are only a handful of those. That's where we get into the electric knife fish, which is what we commonly call the electric eel. That is the most powerful of the strongly electric fish. It has organs, electrical organs, all up and down its body. These are just cells, organic cells, and it uses the field's that it produces for the same reasons as the weekly electric fish to sense its environment, etc. But it can also turn on the booster when it wants and deliver a serious shock. Now, again, how exactly do these organs work? No one knows. We can describe how they work, but we can't really tell you. Um, let me put it this way. We can describe how they work, but we can't really tell you how they work. Does that make sense? We can observe it and say, here's a description of what I'm seeing, but we don't know exactly how that happens. And also, nobody can explain why does an electric ill 
not shock itself. That is a mystery no scientist has ever explained. Why is it that an electric eel does not shock itself? No one knows. So they can zap a fish several feet away without any physical contact by shooting over 600 volts into the water to stun the fish. Now that alone is extremely weird since this somehow is not being shorted out instantly by the water. They can shoot this through the water. Then the eel can curl up around the prey and use its whole body from head to tail to shock its prey to death or certainly dead enough to just gobble it down while it's barely alive. And listen to this. The strongest voltage ever measured by an electric eel was 860 volts. 860 volts and enough current to kill a human being or something even bigger. Now, the other strongly electric fish are the electric catfish. Yeah, the electric catfish. Read up on that one. It can unleash 350 volts. And then there is the electric ray, which can unleash 220 volts. Now, do you see why this is so amazing and perplexing to me? Because, you know, electrical forces associated with these creatures remind us of the energy that may reside after we even die, as possibly evidenced by some Kirlian effects. And this might be relevant for creatures that can regenerate missing limbs. You know, a young salamander can grow a new leg in around a month. Uh, is it because there is an electrical force that is the mold and then the physical body regenerates back into that shape. Um, you know, lizards commonly regenerate tails that have been bitten off by predators, frogs, crayfish, earthworms, flatworms, all can do this to some extent. Starfish can grow an entirely new creature from only a single arm. That means you could cut one starfish into five pieces to make five entirely new creatures. And biologists are studying this because they want to see if they can learn about that mind, body, spirit kind of relationship in order to allow humans to regrow limbs in the same way. In fact, a human child up to the age of 11 can already regenerate an amputated fingertip. And on a regular basis, we regenerate to a smaller degree through normal healing and replacement of internal body parts like the linings of our stomachs and inside our cheeks. So the big question is whether or not when animals like starfish and lizards regenerate, you know, are the new cells fitting into that energy mold that remains even after the physical sections are destroyed? Do their bodies provide some kind of an etheric blueprint a ghostly form by which the new limbs cells are guided this is just a small number of examples regarding what makes animals special they have powers we do not possess and if a human did have some of these abilities we would certainly call that person psychic because we are all made of the same substance cells the fact that some organisms have these characteristics proves it's possible for biological entities 
to attain seemingly supernatural skills. It's another example of why we are too egotistical. When we come back, I'm going to share something else with you that you might find wondrous and amazing. I'm Joshua P. Warren, and you're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more Joshua P. Warren and Strange Things coming right up. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. At 
ParanormalDate.com. You meet the most fantastic people. Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Jennifer. What brings you here? Yeah, I'm here to meet someone who understands me. How so? Well, I'm into UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, the paranormal, that kind of stuff. But can't seem to find anyone who gets it. Oh, well, um, nice to meet you, Tom. I, I gotta go. Uh, okay, guess that's not your cup of tea. You sure? Very. Good luck with that. I can't meet anyone when I'm out, and I really can't find a website for my unique interests. What is one to do? Have you thought about ParanormalDate.com? Paro what dot what? Who are you? I'm a paranormal matchmaker, and it's ParanormalDate.com. It's a website for people looking for people like them. Stuff you like, remember? Interesting. Uh, I'll give it a try. Well, let's try this again. Uh, hi, I'm Tom. Hey, I'm Deb. Your profile on ParanormalDate.com looked very interesting. So you really saw a UFO? Well, yeah. It was so intense, but not as intense as meeting you. You're an alien chasing flirt, but I kind of like it. Wow, this ParanormalDate.com thing really works. Maybe ParanormalDate.com is for you. People with an interest in things they hear on George's show find their match daily. So if you're looking for that special someone... With an interest in UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and, of course, the paranormal. Come to the dating site inspired by George Norrie. It's always free to search, and if you decide to upgrade to our amazing new features, use promo code GEORGE for a great discount. ParanormalDate.com. You are not alone. You're listening to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now, let's get back to Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren. And do you know that last year, in 2020, marine biologists discovered some microorganisms in the South Pacific they live about 226 feet down below the seafloor. And they are 101.5 million years old. Did you hear that? Microorganisms that are alive. They've been alive for 101.5 million years longest living life forms ever found oh boy you know what i have so much more to tell you about wonders of the animal kingdom that i still really haven't even gotten into the paranormal stuff yet so yes consider this part one and the next show is going to be part two 
where I really start digging into the paranormal animal stuff. And I, I just have so much more to tell you. This could even go into part three. It's fascinating because it, it shows us what's possible for ourselves as, as fellow biological organic organisms, right? Perhaps. In fact, you know, I was interviewed, oh, I'm going to say a couple years ago by uh, a writer named Isabella with the largest uh, paranormal publication in the entire Spanish speaking world. It's called Año Cero, which means year one. Very high quality publication. She contacted me to interview me about pet ghosts and animal spirits. And we got into all kinds of interesting uh, subjects, you know, related to the things I'm talking about right now. And uh, she contacted me earlier this year, I guess, and said, well, I, I want to interview you again, uh, except this time I want to interview you about ghosts of the White House. Um. And the reason I bring this up is because this just came out. She just sent it to me a couple of days ago, and it's not going to do you much good if you don't speak Spanish. I mean, I speak enough that I was able to read the article. It's an excellent article. But um, I figured, you know what? Since this just came out and it's fresh on my mind, uh, I've been meaning to read to you some of my responses that I gave her to some questions that you might find interesting. So she said... Um, and I'm looking at our email exchanges. Isabella said, do you think there is real spiritual energy accumulated at the White House over the centuries, which might be responsible for the supposed sightings? And I wrote back, the White House has been the focal point of intense world events for hundreds of years. There is no doubt that impressions of so many charged moments have burned quote, holographic movies into that block of space-time. That area is haunted by recordings of past events that occasionally replay, plus those curious souls that decided to stick around for a while in the afterlife. And then she asked me, what's your opinion about the great number of stories of sightings woven around the White House? Are they just a concoction of stories merging with reality, just folklore? So I wrote, a place like the White House will always fuel fantastic rumors, and yet among those who are given access to those grounds have been some of the most rational, trusted world leaders in a high-security environment. They are some of the best witnesses, people like Winston Churchill, who had nothing to gain by admitting to a ghostly encounter inside these sensitive, restricted areas. You must also consider the personal sacrifices some of the presidents made in that house. Abraham Lincoln's decisions cost him his life. Don't you think he'd want to hang out for a while to see if the decisions he made were ultimately good or bad for the nation in the long run? Some say ghosts hang out in boring old cemeteries. I think it's much more likely they haunt the dramatic rooms of the White House, where every day unfolds like scenes from an epic life-or-death soap opera. 
I also referred her to, of course, my website, joshuapwarren.com, where you can click on the Gallery of the Strange. And when you do that, you will find a section there called um, the White House Ghost Photo. And it's there's a video report there. And you, you, you just check that out. And I told her that she could use uh, information and, and images from that. And she used that in the report as well. But she's a really good writer. So, uh, yeah, Isabella Horenz, I believe is how you pronounce her name. And, um, Isabella Horenz. And so, uh, yeah, if you are somebody who is able to at least read Spanish, look up the new, uh, or one of the new issues of Año Cero, and you'll find that article as well as some other things. Uh, here is an email I got from Rob in Nevada. He said, I want to share something with you. The good luck fortune tone that you play is amazing. I had what I would consider good luck twice in one day listening to that sound clip. On the way into work, I heard the clip and then about an hour later, my wife sent me a picture of a $5 bill that had a rarish serial number on it making it a trinary note and worth a few more dollars than face value. And I thought that was cool and related to it, hearing the sound since I've just started collecting currency for fun. And then later that day while driving home, I listened to another episode of your show and I heard the same sound clip. And that night while at a restaurant waiting to be seated, she was playing a Kino machine and scored a jackpot of $832. How amazing was that? Strange how I hear the sound twice in one day and this happens. Thank you for introducing it to me since I am telling everyone about your show and the sound and what it has done for me. And I look forward to all your upcoming episodes. I wish you the same luck that you have brought me. Thank you, Rob. Isn't that another one of those wonderful messages that just makes my day? And so, yes, yes, I will end the show with the good fortune tone. So get ready for that. I almost feel like that nowadays some people might be a little ticked if I didn't. <laughs> and let me squeeze in one more email I got from Joseph. And he was reflecting on the podcast I did about the little people. He said, I recall that Thomas Ashley Ferrand, whose books and CDs I would recommend to anybody interested in learning about Sanskrit mantras, wrote of an experience he had while attending a presentation about little people. The seminar was held in a regular classroom, so the presenter was speaking from behind a desk at the front of the room. During part of the lecture, Thomas was sure that he saw a, quote, little person appear standing on the desk at the front of the room. But the scene seemed so impossible that Thomas didn't interrupt the lecture, fearing he might be hallucinating. After the similar, excuse me, after the seminar ended, looking around the room, Thomas saw confused expressions on many of his fellow attendees. So he started asking people, whether they had seen anything unusual during the lecture. And many of the people he asked confirmed that they too 
had seen a little person standing on the desk at the front of the room, but could not believe what they were seeing, so they didn't say anything. So, was the little person a teaching assistant or a tulpa? Anyway, the story provides yet another example of one of the problems that frustrates research into the paranormal of a few people who are open enough to have direct experience of the paranormal, but even fewer who are open enough to talk about their experiences. But without that data, that information about paranormal experiences, how do we refine our hypotheses about how the paranormal works? Live long and prosper, Joe. You're darn right, Joe. And thank you for that email. That is the point, right? That's why I believe that what's happening with the talk of disclosure with the UFO thing and all that right now, regardless of what actually gets released, it's still a good thing because it's it's reducing that stigma around the subject matter so that more people feel comfortable opening up and talking about it. And that's what we need. Okay, my friends, here it is. Take a deep breath. Enjoy the good fortune tone. That's it for this edition of the show. Follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit JoshuaPWarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the Curiosity Shop all at JoshuaPWarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember the golden rule. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Well, if you like this episode of Strange Things, wait until you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.